listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Hey, what is up, everybody? Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. back with you again this week on the podcast. And I want to say thanks to everybody that's listening. I really appreciate it. This is one of my favorite days of the week. I love the podcast. And I want to say thank you, by the way, to everybody that's been uh, sending us messages and uh, been getting a lot of uh, DMs on Instagram, a lot of questions coming in, and I appreciate that. Uh, We're going to do our best to continue to answer those. We've got one for you today that's been asked by several people, and uh, I appreciate you sending that. A couple of announcements before we jump in. Number one, um, as I mentioned last week, we're doing something new. It's called Monday Music Mashup, and we've created a custom playlist, and it's being updated every single week. You can grab it on Uh, Apple Music or on Spotify. So um, what I'm doing basically is I'm putting out new music every week, putting out a new playlist because of the fact I get so many questions on what I'm currently listening to, um, even themed playlists. You know, what do you listen to before you preach, while you're traveling, all that kind of stuff. So I thought I'd just give it to you guys and um, put it out every single week. So we refresh it every single Monday. Thus the name, Monday Music Mashup. And uh, I'll put a link to the playlist uh, in the description of the podcast if you'd like to jump in and grab it. Obviously, if you subscribe to Apple Music or Spotify, um, which I think Spotify you can do with a free account, uh, it's obviously absolutely uh, free to get a hold of this podcast. So, uh, or excuse me, not the podcast, but this playlist. Uh, just search Monday Music Mashup in Spotify or Apple Music, and you'll see the orange cover art that I created, and you can like it on Spotify, you can follow it on Apple Music, and like I said, new new uh, playlists coming out every single Monday. Also, I want to ask you guys to do me a favor in this month of September. Um, which I know will really be a, a help to the podcast. We're trying to get this message out to more and more people every single week. It's amazing to see how far this podcast has come really in just the last few months. But if you don't mind, I would ask you uh, to scroll down and um, and leave us a review on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts. If you don't mind writing a review or leaving, leaving us a star review on Apple Podcasts, I really really, really appreciate it. And for the month of, of, of September, every person that leaves a review, I'm going to send you my 40-day devotional uh, on overwhelming joy, absolutely free. So we're going to get you a copy of that. Uh, it's called Praise, Laugh, Repeat, the 40-day devotional, a 40-day journey into overwhelming joy. Love to have uh, to give that to you guys as a gift to say thank you for reviewing uh, the podcast means a lot and it'll obviously uh, bump it up and get more people to see the podcast, thus getting the message out a lot quicker. So those of you that are wanting to leave one, a couple of things I want to just tell you, please do it on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, leave the review on there and then screenshot it and let me know what your email address is. You can do that one of a few ways. You can either at reply me on Twitter, my username is T Shuttlesworth, or Instagram, uh, my username is Ted Shuttlesworth. You can send me a direct message uh, with your email address and the screenshot. You did a, a review, and I'll get you that devotional uh, as quickly as possible. And I want to say thanks to everybody that's doing that, and thanks to all of you that have already left reviews. It means a lot, and I really appreciate it. It's great to see uh, how people are being blessed by the podcast. That's what uh, motivates me, too, to see that your faith is being built. And it's uh, setting you on fire to do what you've been called to do. It means a lot. And that's what it's all about. And uh, we're doing what God's called us to do before Jesus returns. That's huge because Jesus is coming very soon. I don't have time today to do a podcast on end times prophecy, but the signs are all around us. Jesus is literally getting ready to come back. And all of us have to be hard at work doing what God's called us to do. So I appreciate it. And I want to say thanks for all those leaving reviews. It means a whole lot to me. Share it today on your social media. Let people know you're listening to the podcast. And uh, let's get right into this today. I've been receiving questions um, mainly through Facebook Messenger, through um, 
DMs on uh, Instagram, and one of the ones I'm getting often now is the one we're tackling today, which is how do I identify my calling, or how do I know what I'm called to do? And uh, I want to I want to take you through the scripture today, plus give you a few things from my own life to show you uh, what the Bible teaches on how you're supposed to locate what God has called you to do as a believer. I want to start by saying this right off the bat. Um, God has a specific plan for every person's life. Without question, God has a specific plan for your life. One of the biggest mistakes I think we can fall into, I've heard people teach this, it's completely erroneous, but I've heard people say, well, you know, if you read the scripture, uh, the scripture says that God has a perfect will. He has a permissive will you know, in a good will, you know, the good, perfect, you know, permissible, acceptable, some call it acceptable will of God from that verse of scripture. They take that to mean that God has, you know, three different levels of his will for his children. That's not the case. In fact, if you go back and read that verse of scripture that they're referencing, it says the good, acceptable and perfect will of God. So all three of those adjectives referring to one will of God. His will is good. His will is acceptable. His will is perfect. It's not many wills of God. God has one will, one plan for your life. It is our responsibility to locate that plan and to fall in line with it and to begin to synchronize our decisions and our life with his plan and his will. And that's where, uh, you know, God's favor comes. By the way, I'm not doing a podcast on favor, but favor is not random. It's never random. God doesn't just sovereignly pick and choose who he favors. Favor is not random. Favor is God's response to your obedience. I want to say that very clearly today, and that'd be a great thing if you're posting quotes on social media, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. God's favor is a response to your obedience to his word. God's favor is a response to your obedience to his word. And that can be easily found in the scripture. In fact, if you go to the gospel of John chapter 14 and verse 21, a scripture that we love to quote on this podcast, uh, Jesus said, he who has my commandments and obeys them, it is he who loves me and my father will love him and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So notice that God responds to people who obey his word. The Bible says the same in Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says in verse six, but without faith, it's impossible to please God for they that come to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of who? Not everybody, of them that diligently seek him. So God has created a rewards-based system in his kingdom, a rewards-based system. God seeks to reward those who are pursuing his plan. That's why it's so vitally important that we pursue his plan for our lives, not our plan. That's why, and I caught some flack for this. uh, Some people wrote me some messages the last time I said this on the podcast. I'm going to say it again because I completely believe it with my whole heart. No parent should ever tell their child, when you grow up, you can be anything you want to be because that puts a false notion in the child's head. It's not, I'm not saying that we, you know, we tell our children, you know, that you're limited in what, in what you can do in your abilities. I'm not telling you to, you know, to downgrade your child's abilities. No. What I'm telling you is, is that we don't need to put the thought into the next generation that we get to decide what we do in life because that is not scriptural by any means. We don't get to decide what we do in life if we're believers, if we are followers of Christ. I like how Paul said it in one translation. He said it this way, I'm a bondservant of Christ. In another translation, it says it this way, I'm a slave of Christ. Bondservant is a very interesting uh, term because it actually speaks about people who, although they were set free from slavery, they chose to stay with the family that they had been 
slaves with because they loved them so much they chose after they were made free to stay there and by their own will be a slave for the rest of their life because they loved the family they were with. And Paul said that of Christ. He said, I'm a bond servant of Christ. What he's saying is I I could choose in the flesh to do anything I wanted to do with my life, but I'm choosing to obey the word of God. I'm choosing to obey God's plan for my life. And you wonder why Paul's life was so full of victory and so full of uh, uh, blessing. It's because he chose to follow the plan of God for his life. The same is true for us. We've got to, number one, locate what is God's plan. Our life is a race. We are running a race. That's why the Bible says that in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse one, it says that we have to run the race that's been set before us. So notice there, uh, the writer of Hebrews, who I believe was Paul, says that we've got to run the race that was set before us, meaning we didn't choose which race we're running. He says very clearly, the race has already been set before us. So the one who gives us the race is the one who chose which race to set before us. And that's God. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life without question. My grandfather used to say it this way. You are not an accident. You are made by divine design. You're not an accident. You're made by divine design. So we don't, we don't choose our own race. In fact, if you understand uh, what Paul taught to the Roman church, he began to teach that God's plans took place before the foundations of the world were laid. And in Romans chapter eight, verses 29 and 30, Listen to what the Bible says. For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Verse 30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So, God's got a plan for your life that preceded your birth from your mother's womb before that from the foundations of the world. God made plans. He had plans. He set plans in place for your life. You now get to choose whether you're going to follow those plans or you're going to do your own thing. But notice this heaven's instructions are the basis for accomplishing your call. You say, well, how do I know what I'm called to do? We're going to get into in a moment the ways that the Bible tells us that we can locate the call of God on our life or the purpose of God in our lives. But I want to read you a verse of scripture from Isaiah chapter 48 really quick. And I'm going to share a couple of things from my life uh, as well that are going to kind of show you how this has even taken place throughout my entire life. Um, The Bible says in Isaiah 48 and verse 17, thus says the Lord, your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, to be blessed, to do well, to excel, to exceed expectations, to increase. I'm the one who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Let me read that again. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way that you should go. So there's a way you should go and there's a way you shouldn't go. That's very important to know as a believer because some people have this idea that, well, now, you know, now that I belong to Jesus, I can, as long as I'm just, you know, obeying the scripture, I can just kind of do whatever I want as long as I'm not sinning. That's not the case. And by the way, that's why we have so many believers who are not blessed who are not victorious, who are not living overcoming lifestyles. Because if you're not doing what God called you to do, then you're out of position to receive the blessings of God. If you decide what you're going to do with your life, then you also have to provide for yourself, give protection to yourself. Um, I mean, all these have strengthened yourself. It all depends upon you. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 127, And verse one, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. So what it's saying is if you're, if you're not, 
you know, if your life is not congruent with God's plans, then you're spinning your wheels in the mud. Your work is for nothing. Your work is for nothing because unless God has instructed you, led you and guided you, then you're, you're basically, according to scripture, working for nothing. It's God's instruction that makes stars in the kingdom. It is God's instruction that makes stars in the kingdom. Why, why was Moses such a great man? I'll tell you, the Bible says that, that Moses was the meekest man in all the earth. Meekness, humility. He was not proud. There was no pride within his spirit. He was the meekest man on the earth. Well, the Bible also goes on to tell us that he was the greatest man at that time. The greatest man. You can look for yourself. The Bible tells us Moses was the meekest man, which caused him to be the greatest man. Humility is found in doing what God's called you to do and not what you desire to do. The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives more grace, more favor to the humble. So see what you see here why uh, Moses was able to increase so fast is the Bible says he was the meekest man in all the earth. That's why Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is the prerequisite for inheritance. That's why Moses was able to inherit greatness and be powerful and be blessed. He was the meekest man in all the earth and became the greatest man at the time. And so meekness says, God, I need your plan. I don't need my plan. Pride says, God, I'm going to make some plans and I want you to jump on these plans and just bless them for me. No, I don't care about my plans. I, in fact, as the spirits lead me to do that, let me, uh, let me take, well, let me read this first. Psalm 32, eight, the Bible says, God speaks again. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I will instruct you. So this is multiple times that God is promising us through the word that he will instruct us in the way we should go and that it will cause us to profit or to increase as we obey what he tells us to do. But I find it very interesting. You know, we, when I'm, as far as what I was just telling you, you go to Isaiah 55, listen to what God said. My thoughts are not your thoughts. That's verse eight, Isaiah 55 and verse eight. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. It's a huge mistake to think your plans are greater than God's plans. I can't imagine somebody being so prideful that they say, you know what, I've already thought up what I'm going to do. This is a great plan. I'm just going to pray and ask God to bless this plan. No, if it's not his, don't get involved with it. It's a huge mistake to get involved doing things that God didn't tell you to do. It'll put a strain on your peace, your joy, your finances, your strength, your relationships. It's not worth it. It's not worth pursuing something God didn't call you to do. That's why there's a lot of things I could do, but there's a lot of things that I don't do on purpose because I've never heard one instruction from heaven, from God telling me to do those things. Heaven's instructions are the basis for accomplishing your call. Heaven's instructions, when you obey them, that's what makes a star in the kingdom of God. God expects you to shine extremely brightly. In fact, that's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter four and verse 18, the path of the just is a shining light that shines more and more. One translation says that shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. You are called to shine as a star in the kingdom. That's your purpose. That's your call to shine brighter and brighter. That means that the path of the just is a path of steady increase until Christ returns. That means no up years and down years. It means steadily up until Christ returns. It means that this year you should win more people to Jesus than you did last year. 
It means this year you should give more financially to the kingdom of God than you did last year. It means that this year you should operate in the power of the Holy Ghost at a greater level with greater results than you did last year. It means that this year you should pray more than you did last year. See, everything in your life is called to increase steadily until the return of Jesus Christ. And when we get those instructions from heaven, it causes us to be supernaturally productive. Supernaturally productive. In fact, Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 8 where we I was referencing before, and uh, he says earlier in the chapter, all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Romans 8, 14. All who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So every one of us is called to be led by the Spirit. And I'm telling you, there is nothing else in the body of Christ or in the kingdom of God that will bring the kind of results that following the voice of the Holy Spirit will bring. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Never ever do, let me just encourage you with this. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Don't ever do something that God did not command you or specifically speak to you to do. Let me give you an example. There are a lot of needs in the earth. There are a lot of things that need to be done. People are suffering, people are hurting, people are poor, people are hungry, people are starving, people are full of disease and sickness. There are many, many needs throughout the earth. However, just because there are needs, a need doesn't constitute a calling. A need does not constitute a calling. What do I mean by that? Well, you can get involved soulishly and your soul be moved by somebody's need. And see, when I say that, I'm not talking about your spirit, man. I'm talking about your soul now, your emotions. I'm talking about your emotions. Your emotions can be pricked by seeing a situation that, that's heartbreaking. And you think because you feel that way that it's that you are called to somehow change that situation. So for example, let's just say you you somehow with a church or something took a missions trip to a nation where you saw, you know, all these all these children suffering in a nation from poverty and sickness, they didn't have great water, they didn't have good medical attention, all these other things and you it pricked your heart, you felt your soul, you know, and you say, "You know what? There's a need there." I'm going to make it my life's work to to raise money and build orphanages uh, in these nations. I'm going to raise money and feed these nations and do all these things. Let me tell you something. If God did not call you to be somebody who is building orphanages and doing this work in other nations, do not do it. Because if it's not your race and you start to run it anyway, then God does not provide resources for something he didn't command. An easier way to think of it is God doesn't pay for what he didn't order. Can you imagine going to a restaurant and ordering one meal, but in fact they brought you out three of the most expensive meals on the menu and then expected you to pay for it at the end even though you didn't order it? You're going to go to the waiter or to whoever's up at the counter and say, listen, I didn't order those things and I'm not paying for them. It's it's not what I wanted and it's not what I ordered and it's, it take it off my bill. God's going to say the same thing. I didn't order you to do that. I didn't order this. I didn't call I didn't call you to do that. And so because I didn't, I'm not going to pay for it. I'm not required to pay for what I didn't order. And that's let me tell you something. I've seen this long enough to know that's how many people end up burning out in the kingdom of God is because they see other people doing things that they like or they see a need that's not their call, but it pricks their heart or their soul or their emotions and they go after it. They start to meet, try to meet the need on their own, even though God never called them to meet it. You know, there's nothing wrong with being a blessing to people. We do that from our ministry. I mean, we're, you know, I bless the poor. We, when we give thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to feed the hungry and all these other things, uh, you know, around the world. But I'm not going over there to start my own organization and build the orphanages and start. It's not my call. It's 
not what I'm called to do. It's one thing to sow or give an offering towards something. It's another thing to try to make it your calling or your life's work. And it's a massive mistake to do something that God did not call you to do. It can crush you because, and see, I believe that's a plan of the enemy is to pull you in every direction that you're not called to go so that your effectiveness is completely ruled out in the kingdom of God. The book of Lamentations, chapter three and verse 37, the Bible says this, who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it. Who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord commanded it. That's why we got to understand unless God's behind it, we don't need to bother doing it. If God's not behind it, I'm not going to bother doing it. Here's something that's so important to see. Proverbs chapter four, we could probably hang our uh, hat on this verse of scripture today for this podcast. Verse 13 of Proverbs four, the Bible says, keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her for she is your life. She is your life. Instruction. Instruction is your life. So we ask the question, how do we locate our calling? We understand that there is a calling for every individual and it's wrong to pursue things that are not your calling. It's actually devastating to your life. But how do I locate my actual calling? How do I find what God wants me to do? There are several ways and I'm gonna give them to you. If you're taking notes, those of you that are trying to locate what God's called you to do, what's your purpose? What What is it that God wants you to do? Here are several ways that you can pursue the presence of God and obtain your calling from God. Number one, you've got to be a person of the word. I'm talking about the Bible, the scripture. You've got to be a person who reads the word of God. Now that might sound elementary to some people that are listening to this podcast. In fact, I laugh because I was at an event not long ago and I was talking to a group of ministers at a table and I was asking this one guy, you know what, because he, he had just spoken to some leaders. I said, what did you speak on to the leaders? And he said, well, I was talking about, you know, and he, he started to tell me like things like communion with God and stuff like that. And, and I said, well, what did you talk about? Like daily, the importance of daily prayer and prayer in the spirit. And he kind of recoiled. He's like, no, you know, I don't, I don't, I hate it when people speak to Christian leaders and tell them you need to pray. That's elementary to me. You know, I don't think we need to talk about that. I think we need to go on to the deeper things. Well, it might seem elementary to him because he prays every day. I pray every day. But the statistics tell us that the average Christian does not pray for any significant period of time every day. The last statistic that I read, it was less than five minutes a day for the average Christian in America. So, you know, five minutes of prayer is nothing. You know, the early church had an average of one hour of prayer a day, which I think is a good place to start. One hour of prayer a day. So it's not like, you know, you sit around and and think Christians have, you know, the majority of Christians don't have a, a huge dedication to the kingdom of God. People aren't spending a significant amount of time daily reading God's word and praying and fasting and seeking his face, but we need to be doing that. That's why I'm encouraging you on this podcast. Number one, you've got to be a person of God's word. If you're, if the word is filling your spirit, it's going to illuminate your future. Think about this. If the word of God is filling your spirit, it's also going to illuminate your future. It's going to light up your path. In fact, I want to read you that verse of scripture that, that David wrote in Psalms, Psalm 119 and verse 11. What did he say? I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Sin is a killer that keeps you from your purpose. Sin kills everything that it touches. But by keeping the word of God in your spirit, it keeps you in a place of holiness, keeps you in a place where you're reserved. In fact, that's what Paul was trying to teach Timothy. He said, if you'll keep yourself pure, God can use you for any work at any time. He said, in any kind of a house, there's vessels of gold and silver, and there's vessels of wood and stone. 
And he said the common vessels are used, you know, all the time. But the the gold and the silver vessels are used for special occasions. So he said, keep yourself pure and God can use you for every special work that he's called you to do. And that's why David said, I've kept your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So the number one thing the word does is keeps you from sinning against God. But then number two, the Bible also says in the very same chapter, Psalm 119 and verse 105, he wrote this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So what I was saying earlier about the fact that if you'll fill your spirit with the word of God, it'll illuminate your future. That's because the word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. People that fill themselves with the word of God are people that will fill themselves with the direction of God. If you're filling yourself with the word of God, you're filling yourself with the direction of God. His word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Let's go down a little bit further in the same chapter. Psalm 119 and verse 130. He said, the entrance of your word gives light and it imparts understanding even to the simple. So when the word of God comes into your spirit, number three, it will bring understanding into your life. So number one, it brings separation from sin. Number two, it brings illumination to your path. And number three, it brings understanding to your heart. So the first thing I would tell every person who's searching for what is my purpose, what is my call, what is, what is it that God has set me apart to do? Number one, fill yourself daily with the mighty word of God. You might listen to this podcast and think I harp on this subject that you've got to have a daily Bible reading plan, but you've got to have it. If you fail to plan, you'll plan to fail. Sounds cliche, but it's absolutely right. You know as well as I do that if you continue to push things off to when you have quote unquote free time, that thing never happens. You know, it's like people that say, you know what, I'm going to first thing in the morning when I get up, I'm going to pray and get before God. You know, you wake up and you're tired. You know, you, oh man, I got to get up and go to work, go to school, blah, blah, blah. I'll do, you know what I'll do? I'm going to push it off. And uh, when I hit lunch break today, I'll make sure I, I, I pray and get before the Lord and just, you know, read some word during lunch. Then lunch break comes and your friends are all around talking to you, hanging out, you know, things go quickly. And then before you know it, that's gone. You say, you know what, when I get home, first thing when I get home and you get home and you have to, you know, make dinner or do chores, whatever you got to do around the house, doesn't happen. You know what, right before I get to bed tonight, I'll spend that time with the Lord. Next thing you know, you're under the covers, Netflix is on, whatever, and, and you're snoring and you're out. Why? Because if you never schedule anything with God, it will never get done. If you never schedule anything with God, it'll never get done. You've got to make a plan. And that plan has to be plain. That's why the Bible even teaches if you're going to establish vision and if you're going to cast vision, the Bible says write the vision on tablets and make it plain that they may run that read it. You've got to make the vision plain. What do I plan to do what do I plan to do tomorrow? What do I plan to do the next day? In fact, recently I wrote a blog post uh, that's that was four simple tips for more consistent Bible reading. Four simple tips for more consistent Bible reading. You can check that out at blog.miracleword.com. Blog.miracleword.com. Go check it out. It will take you less than five minutes to read the post, but right on there, I give you four actionable steps to be better daily at reading the word of God in your life. One of the things that I did so that I never had to think about it is that I made a plan for how much of the New Testament I wanted to read every day. You know, by the end of the month, I wanted to finish the New Testament and then I just divided the chapters up into daily portions and I put those portions in my iPhone calendar. So that at any moment, I can just open the calendar app and look at that day and see exactly what I need to read. I don't have to sit down and recalculate. Anything that adds more work to a goal is going gonna, is gonna to lend itself to you not completing that goal. Make it as easy as possible on yourself 
to complete your goals by by planning appropriately by you know preparing yourself to accomplish those goals and this this plan will help you set some sort of a plan for how much of God's word you're going to consume on a daily basis and stick to it be consistent make a vow to God I'm going to meet you in your word the word of God has the power to set you upon your feet the prophet wrote the word was spoken unto me and it set me upon my feet. The word has the power to establish you in your life. In fact, did you know that Paul wrote to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter uh, 20? And he said, now I commend you unto God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. So even Paul understood that the word of God has power to build you up has power to establish you. The prophet wrote, it has the power to set me upon my feet, set me in position. So if you're out of position in your call, your purpose, it's time to fill yourself with the mighty word of God. That's number one. If you want to accomplish your purpose in life, you've got to fill yourself with the word of God. And I've had, I've done other podcasts on all the benefits of filling yourself with the word and all that. You need to go back and listen to those. I mean, it, it's, it's prosperity and success, Joshua 1, eight. It's joy, Jeremiah 15, 16. It's health and strength to your body, Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. I mean, I could go on and on. The word of God carries power to set you in position to accomplish your purpose. But that's number one. You, if you're going to, you know, find out, discover what God's called you to do, fill yourself with the word. Number two is that God doesn't just lead us by his written word. He leads us by his spoken word and he can lead us and guide us. The Holy Spirit was sent according to Jesus to lead us and guide us into all truth. That's why Paul wrote to the Roman church. I read you that verse, Romans eight fourteen. As many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And as strangers, they will not follow. So we can know the voice of God in our life. Can I tell you, you know, you can read through the whole Bible. The name of the college you're supposed to go to is not in the scripture. The name of the person you're supposed to marry, you know, most likely is not in the scripture unless they have a Bible name. But obviously it's not speaking about that actual person. You've got to know how to be led by the Spirit of God. You've got to be able to hear the voice of the Holy Ghost in your heart and follow the instructions that he's giving you. You've got to be able to do it. You know, just recently, I'll I'll tell you this, um, you know, I was traveling from Virginia Beach, Virginia. That's where I was living. My family was living there. In fact, when I got out of Bible school, It's very interesting because I've known I was supposed to be an evangelist since I was five years old. I was called to preach in a little Pentecostal church in New Brunswick, Canada at five years old during one of my father's revivals. And I've known since then that I was supposed to be an evangelist and travel and preach the gospel. And uh, so knowing my calling from that young age you know, it has made things relatively simple. You know, then it was time to take the SATs to go to college, you know, in high school. I just simply said, no, I'm not taking them because, you know, number one, they were held on Saturdays and you had to pay to take the test. And I thought, how ridiculous, come to school on Saturday and actually pay money to take another test? No, thank you. Plus, I knew I was going to a Bible school and most of them don't care whether or not you've taken any SATs. In fact, as long as you have a pulse, they'll pretty much accept you. Anyway, I knew that uh, that was the case. And so because I knew my calling at that point, I knew that I didn't need to, you know, take that test to get into the college that I was going to be going to. In fact, my guidance counselor, in fact, this was so funny to me. I met with my guidance counselor and she said to me, I see here that you've only applied to one, one, one school, one college. I said, yeah, just one. She was like, well, you need to you need to apply to at least 15 or 20. I said, why? She said, because, you know, what if this, this one doesn't accept you? And I don't think she understood how Bible schools worked back then. But anyway, I was like, no, it's, it's going to be okay. 
you know, I think she was concerned for me that, you know, maybe, maybe whatever career path that, that I'd chosen wasn't going to work out. She didn't understand, obviously, purpose and call, whatever. But, you know, I knew my calling at that young age, knew what Bible school I was supposed to go to because I'd prayed. And when I graduated from Bible school, now here's what's crazy. Think about this, being led by the Spirit of God. Because I knew what I was supposed to do, this could seem like it was confusing if I didn't hear the voice of the Spirit. Once I graduated Bible school, I was praying and fasting once again and asking the Lord what was the next step in my ministry. And I was living back in West Virginia. I had gotten back from Bible school, graduated, and I was helping my uncle plant a church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And I was driving from West Virginia down to Virginia Beach every weekend, seven and a half hours down, seven and a half hours back. And I heard the Lord say to me in February of 2003 that the next step for my ministry, now now let me just clearly say this in case you're listening and you, you don't quite know what I'm talking about. I didn't hear an audible voice. I didn't hear God speak to me, you know, by, by audible voice. This was an inner knowing in my spirit, an inner knowing in my spirit, an inward witness in my heart. I just knew by the direction of the Holy Ghost, as I prayed and fasted, what the Lord was saying. And I heard the Lord say to me that the next step for my ministry was that I was to move from West Virginia to Virginia Beach, Virginia, and to go on staff at the church as an associate pastor, youth pastor, music minister, whatever, you know, I did whatever I get my hands on, you know, and at first to your flesh, that's confusing because you think, well, hold on, I'm not a pastor. I wasn't called to be a pastor, called to be an evangelist, called to travel and preach. You know, that's what I've known this since I was five. I don't need to be going, going on staff at a church. That's not my call. See, but I wasn't choosing to do that. Notice this. And it wasn't even my desire to do that. So a couple of things that you can see here about the voice of the Holy Spirit is that number one, I recognize that I had already known a previous calling since I was young. Number two, I I understood that it was not my personal desire to go and to do that. And, you know, I know the devil doesn't want me entering into ministry. So it only leaves one voice, and that's the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit leading me and guiding me. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get to some other points here in a moment. But when I heard that, I made the decision. You know, I didn't wait five years. I didn't wait fifteen years to, you know, it's like, well, you know, I know it's it's gonna take some time, but sooner or later, you know, I'm gonna get down there. I know, I just know one of these days I'm gonna get down there to Virginia Beach. No, God told me now, and it's time to go now. That's the other thing, is that there's a timing to obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit. When God tells you to move, move quickly. Don't wait. Don't let that thing drag on for 15 and 20 years. Don't even let it drag on for two years. Do what God told you to do now. Delayed obedience is disobedience. I'm going to say that again in case you didn't catch it. Delayed obedience is disobedience. When God tells you to do something, do it quickly. Do it as quickly as you can do it because he has a purpose on your life and he has blessings set aside for you when you obey his voice. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And so as quickly as I could, I got my things together. I didn't have a place to stay or anything like that. And I moved from West Virginia in June of 2003 down to Virginia Beach and began what God called me to do there. God blessed me abundantly for doing it met my wife there, had my children there, all these wonderful things. But the but a time came where I realized that my season here, I could sense it in my spirit. My season in the in the capacity that I was working in the church is over. God was saying that preparation season, the season that I had you in, getting what you needed, impartation, different things that I had received there, it was now time to step out and enter into the first phase of the evangelist side of things of what I was called to do. So I approached uh, my uncle, who was my pastor, and I began to speak, you know, just what I felt in my heart. He already knew because he was a prophet. He's not a pastor, he's a prophet. 
he understood. You know, he knew what God was calling me to do. He said, well, I understand that. I knew what, I knew what was coming. I sensed what was coming ahead of time. And see, it was from that moment, it was time to step out on something I'd known I was supposed to do since I was five years old. However, I didn't jump right into it. You have to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I did that. And it was interesting because from that day, and in January of 2010, I began to travel full-time as an evangelist. And then uh, it was what? Maybe a year and a half ago. I was driving from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to uh, Rochester, New York. And I was by myself. I didn't have my family with me. And so I said, you know what, Lord? I'm going to take this time from Roche, from Pittsburgh to Rochester. I'm not going to put music on. I'm not going to put any preaching on. I'm just going to pray in the Holy Ghost until I get where I'm going. I'm going to just listen in my spirit, let the Holy Spirit speak to me, have communion with the Lord, and hear what the Holy Spirit says on my drive. And as I started driving, Pittsburgh to Rochester, I don't know how many hours that took me, maybe six. As I started driving, literally within the first 40 minutes, it's actually probably less than that. It was probably in the first 25 to 30 minutes. As I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, just driving out of nowhere, literally out of nowhere, I hear the Holy Spirit tell me, I want you to pack up your home in Virginia Beach, and I want you to move down to the Fort Lauderdale, Florida area. Now think about this. I'm an evangelist, so I'm not a pastor. I'm not taking a church. I'm not becoming the pastor of a church in Florida. It's not like I have a job that my job's transferring me there. It's not like there's more job opportunities for me if I move to Florida. There's no natural reason to go. The other side of it is I've never liked Florida my entire life. I've never liked Florida, not any part of it, not the South, not Central Florida, not Northern Florida, not Southern, Western Florida, Lower Alabama. I don't like any, I'd never liked any of it. So it's not like I had this desire in my heart like, oh, I know, I'll just move down to Florida, you know, and it'll, what, what a vacation life will be. I didn't like it, never have liked it. My wife was there from there originally, and she said when she left, I'll never go back to Florida. So in order for me to obey, see, neither of us had a desire. Plus, we had family. My uncle, all my family was living in Virginia Beach. Um, you know, her family, her mother, father, sister, brother-in-law, nephews, everybody uh, living there in Virginia Beach. So it's not like we wanted to leave. So we had no reason to leave, number one. Had a home there, had our family there, all our memories there. No reason to leave, no opportunity that we were getting somewhere else to go. It's not like we were moving for an opportunity. There was no extra opportunity. The only, literally, the only reason that we made the move we did is because I heard an instruction from God while praying. And that blows some people's minds. Like, are you telling me that you packed up your house and all your stuff, said goodbye to all your family, left your home church and moved, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours away from everything and everybody with no promise of anything extra, with no position opening up, with no, you know, extra doors opening up? Have Yes, that's exactly what I did because I believe in the instruction and leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. I believe in it. With everything in me, I believe in it. When God speaks, it's time to make a move. When God speaks, it's time to move. And you can only do that by number one, filling yourself with the word, and number two, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit in prayer and in fasting. I don't ever make any major decision in my life, and neither should you, without prayer and fasting. We've got to fast and pray. The disciples prayed and fasted. Jesus prayed and fasted. Paul prayed and fasted. Everybody that's ever done anything great for God has been a person of fasting and prayer. So number two, not just times of prayer, but add into that. I mean, if you're making a serious life decision, you had better be fasting and praying about what God's got you doing next. 
fasting and praying. When I say fasting, I mean not eating food. I don't mean putting your phone on silent for seven days. I mean not eating food. Taking in liquid, fasting, praying, separating yourself, getting in the presence of God, and hearing the voice of God. It makes all the difference in the world. God said, then will you call and I will answer you. And I'm telling you, so many heartaches and heartbreaks could be avoided if people would fast and pray and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. He said in Isaiah 55, my ways are not your ways. They're higher than your ways. They're higher than your ways. So, so important. In fact, the Bible says this in Psalm 37, 4, and God kind of opened my eyes to look at this a bit of a different way. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of, of your heart. I used to read that and think, well, whatever my heart desires, you know, God will give it to me if I'm delighting myself in him. And I started to see it in a bit of a different way. And it was this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires. He'll put the desires in your heart. The desires to do what he's called you to do will be placed in you by his spirit. Placed in you by his spirit. So what's a litmus test? I mean, let's look at this. And I'm gonna continue with with this in, in just a moment. I'll give you a couple more things here before we pray for you here at the end. But number one, the word. Number two, fasting and prayer. But as you're hearing these things and you're pursuing what God's called you to do, what's your litmus test? How do you know that you're doing the right thing? How do you know you're doing what God's called you to do? There's a couple things that I use as a litmus test to know if I'm doing what God's called me to do. Number one is the peace of God. Please write that down. The peace of God. If when you're doing what you believe God's called you to do, what he's spoken to you to do, do you have peace or is there constant turmoil? Is there constant turmoil? Are you worried about everything all the time? Do you have unrest in your spirit? If you do, that's a sign you're not doing what God's called you to do. Jesus said, is there any among you that are weary and heavy laden, loaded down with burdens, he was saying. He said, come unto me and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you. Why? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If whatever you're doing that you believe is what God's called you to do is a heavy burden to you, if it's always a problem to you and you can't figure out how to get it done and it's all you're always, oh, I just don't know how I'm going to get that. I don't know how to make ends meet. It's not God. God's not going to lead you into something to kill you. In fact, the famous verse of scripture in Isaiah 55, 11, God said, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it'll accomplish that which I purpose and it'll succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Now, look at the very next verse. This is key. Isaiah 55, 12. He said, for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. See that you shall go out with joy and be led forth in peace. So that shows you joy is a force that pushes you forward. Peace is a force that pulls you forward. If you don't have peace about the things you're doing, you shouldn't be doing them. God's not going to give you direction and a calling. Because here's the thing. Even when it's something that like looks crazy in the natural, you can ask my wife and I, we've done this so many times now that it's, it's just insane. You know, I mean, literally done it so many times that it's insane where, you know, others, I'm sure if people knew the fullness of the choices we were making, they, you know, they, they'd try to be getting like life coaches to call us up and like talk about decisions we're making. Like, well, I just don't believe that's wisdom at this time. If it's God telling you to do it, it's wisdom. No matter what it looks like in the natural realm, it's wisdom. The wisdom of God is higher than the wisdom of men. And I will always make a choice to follow the wisdom of God over the wisdom of men because his sheep know his voice. I know the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to follow the voice of a stranger. 
The Bible clearly says it. And I'm a child of God. So that means I'm led by the spirit of God. And you've got to train your human spirit to hear the voice of God. And that means times of prayer, times of fasting, get in the word, get in his presence, praise him, praise him, get into his presence by praise. No, become familiar like David was with the voice of the spirit, with the feeling of his presence. Do you have joy and do you have peace in doing what God's called you to do? And then number two, not just peace, do you have progress? This is huge. Do you have progress? God calls his children to have progress. If God's given you a talent and a gift, a calling, a purpose, it's there to increase. He wants you to increase. You know the par- you know if if you don't know, I'll just quickly run over it with you, the parable of the talents. The Bible says that there was a master who had servants, and so he was going on a long journey, and he left them with talents. One got five, one got two, and one got one, based on their previous abilities. The one who had five invested it, and when his master came back, he gave his master the ten talents. He'd multiplied it, he doubled it. Master said, well done, good and faithful servant. The one who had two talents invested it, doubled his and gave the master four talents. He said, well done. But the one who had one talent buried it in the ground. And the Bible says when the master came back, you know, he said, here's your talent back. I knew you're a hard master that you reap where you don't sow. And, you know, and he's, and I want you to catch this. The master didn't say to the one who didn't multiply his talent or his gift. He didn't say to him, you know, I'm very disappointed in you because I expected to see even a little bit of growth. You know, I'm very, no, no, no. That's not how he addressed him. He said, you wicked servant, you wicked servant. So he regarded that servant's inability to increase or progress as wicked. Notice that. If you're trying to do something for God and there's no progression, there's no increase, it's not building, it's not growing, you're just at a standstill, then you might not be doing what God's called you to do because your gift makes room for you and brings you before great men. Your gift should be making room for you. It should be causing increase. It should be causing growth, progression. The path of the just is a shining light. It shines more and more, brighter and brighter until the perfect day, until the perfect day. So that means that every day, every month, every week, every year, you should be increasing in your gifting, your calling, your ministry, your purpose, whatever it is God's called you to do. It's so funny to me. I'll meet businessmen that were so good at business. They think, you know what? I should also be a pastor. They start a church. The church is, you know, suffers horribly. Nobody's coming. You know, they don't even like going to preach at their own Sunday morning services. It's like, but they're still great at business. It's like you misread your calling. Why are you trying to do something you're not called to do? Don't do something you're not called to do. Just go back to business. Stop trying to be in the ministry. It's not your gifting. It's not your calling. You're not prospering in that thing. God doesn't lead you into things you don't prosper in. Doesn't work that way. I read you Isaiah 48 and verse 17. He said, I'm the one that leads you in the way you should go, that teaches you to profit. There should be a profiting as you're doing what God's called you to do. Profiting. It should be, you should see clear and steady increase. So there should be peace and there should be progress. Peace and progress. And as you follow the voice of the Holy Spirit, you'll clearly see those two things active in your life. Stay in the word, stay praying, stay fasting, and hear a voice. You know know why many people can't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? Because there are way too many other voices, way too many other sounds. In this generation, it's very rare that somebody can quiet themselves long enough to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Something's always going. A movie, a show, Netflix, their phone, you know, apps, social media, other friends, going out, doing things. 
Very few people can quiet themselves long enough, shut themselves away to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of prayer and fasting together is that it tells your flesh to shut up. It closes down all the other voices and allows you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for you today, those of you that are specifically trying to determine your calling, your purpose in life, ask God that he would speak to you, that he would give you direction as you seek his face, that he would show you which way to go and that you would have peace and that you'd have progress. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every man and woman listening to the podcast today. I pray that you'd speak to them clearly. Let them hear what you would have them to do in life. I pray, God, that you would open up their eyes and let them see clearly the path that you have for them and let them by faith go after what you've called them to do and and do it, Father, with boldness for the kingdom before it's too late. We thank you, Lord. We will not delay in our obedience, but we'll move forward quickly in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for that. We give you praise and we give you glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, thanks for listening again today. I really appreciate that. Thank you to all of you that are writing reviews, leaving reviews as we asked. Don't forget to send me your email address. We're going to get you that copy of the Praise, Laugh, Repeat devotional, 40 Days to Overwhelming Joy. It's going to be a blessing to you. Once again, I want to say I love you. And don't forget until next week, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you again next week. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. 